0: Yo, what up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar. Episode 192 and today we're here with Nick from Mayhem Metalworks. Nick, what's up, man? How much, man?
1: How you doing?
0: Awesome, bro. It's uh it's it's great to have you on here, bro. We've been uh supporting you since early 2017.
1: Yeah, dude.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate you having too. of course man of course like i said before we started the podcast i'm trying to get everybody on in the community that's uh out there hustling and trying to make something out of nothing you know and you're definitely one of those people so we're we're definitely glad to have you on
1: well yeah definitely uh, appreciate you having me on and like i said noticing my hustle <laughs> yeah
0: hell yeah dude so before we get started can you give us a, a brief description of who you are and what you do uh
1: basically uh I'm the owner operator of Mayhem Metalworks. Um, I'm the only guy here. I do it all by myself. I do it out of my garage. (laughs) But yeah, I basically just make uh, front rear uh, bumper bars for, you know, I would say mostly mid to late 90s Hondas.
0: Gotcha. Staple ones. Yeah. So, um, if anybody uh, isn't familiar, make sure you guys go check them out on Instagram right now while you're listening so you uh, get familiar with the product. It's at Mayhem Metal Works and works as W-E-R-K-Z, uh, correct? Yep. Yeah, so make yep. sure you guys check them out. But um, yeah, back in early 2017, we picked up one for the uh, the Heavy in the Streets EG, and that yeah. was a hit, man. People, uh, people loved it after we uh, powder-coated and put it on, it fit the build awesomely.
1: Well yeah, I man, I appreciate you doing that and obviously uh, the custom color that you put on there definitely freaking set that thing off.
0: Yeah. yeah. Definitely loved it, man. So let's talk about it, bro. Uh I was looking back at your Instagram and it looks like uh May 2016 was when you started uh posting about the business. Uh yeah. I mean
1: it started a little bit before then, but I was always like waiting for like a product that could like, you know, Set me apart from a lot of the other guys that are just doing custom fab work, you know? Because mm-hmm. I've been doing it for a long period of time. But finally, you know, I produced that thing um, and made it with uh, uh, Mike Blankey.
0: Okay. You know? Yes.
1: I mean, he had commissioned me to make one for his car because at that point in time, I was actually working for JDL Auto Design. Gotcha. And I was one of their fabricators there. I was making. Uh, you know, everything that they were doing there, you know, turbo manifolds, exhaust systems, uh, but I was also making bumper bars for the FRS. Mm-hmm. And Mike was like, Hey, you know, I've been really wanting one for my car. Would you be interested in making one? And I was like, Yeah, but it would probably be like an off hours type thing. And made it. And then he's like, I know a couple of people that would be interested. Would you be willing to sell it? And I was like, All right, make yeah. some pictures. I don't know, kind of the rest was history you know
0: <laughs> isn't it funny how that happens sometimes
1: yeah dude it's it's freaking nuts I mean I've been in the Honda community since 2006 okay but well I mean my first Honda you know let me step back a little bit I, I got my first Honda in 2001 okay I was working at Best Buy <laughs> oh, uh, you're familiar with yeah <laughs> 54, Superstition Springs, Mesa, Arizona.
0: Wow. <laughs> what were you doing at Best Buy?
1: Uh, I was just uh, car, uh, not the install guy, but car audio, and then I moved over to home audio. Got you. And I was just selling stuff, and my boss was there, and at that point in time, I had I had a 64 Buickless Saver, uh-huh. and my brother... Um, was driving it and we used to drive around and third and neutral and rev it up because it had dual glass packs on it <laughs> so i think it was super loud and he went to go put it in neutral and ended up put it in reverse and grenaded the transmission
0: oh shit!
1: yeah so i was looking for like a quick you know come up and he had uh, i think it was a 91 uh, ef hatch with a dual cam zc swap in it okay and he was me all bad at like oh jdm swap dude like you know this motor doesn't make you know they didn't make it in the u.s all this other stuff and i was like does it run and drive he's all yeah but the ac doesn't work and i was like i don't know how much do you want for it he's all 1300 bucks and i was like all right dude i'll do that and i'll freaking put my Buick aside and i'll you know have the honda
0: yeah and
1: at that point i just freaking kind of got attached to it um started buying stuff for it went to srd a lot uh, I don't know if Superior Racing Division. I don't know if you're familiar. They're a, a shop? Yeah, they're pretty big out here in Arizona out of Tempe.
0: Got you, got you, got you.
1: And uh, I used to go to there and buy stuff for it. And then I was also uh, really big in a BMX. And I just I don't know what happened. I decided to sell it. Maybe I got bored about it or anything like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I kind of fell off the Honda scene. But uh, was really big into bikes and didn't really care too much about a car because I was riding everywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, apparently my brother got the bug and yeah. he bought a four-door, an EF, and um, he started uh, doing stuff to that. And then he bought another four-door and that other one sat in the side. And then I was like, hey, I need a car again. This was probably like 2004 or five, something like that. And he's like, you can just have this thing. It was, (laughs) dude, it was like, when he got it, I remember he got it. It was an 89 and it was maroon on maroon. (laughs) Oh, wow. Like the horrible color. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, you can just have it. He stripped it, gutted it. I think he even had a hole in the dash because he lost a race. (laughs) Pretty comical, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Me and I bought like uh... what did I put in that thing? Uh, JDM D 15 B
0: got you know, you.
1: another single game. I paid like 300 bucks for it off eBay, did all the work myself, threw it in there. And at this point in time, I wasn't working at Best Buy anymore. I was uh, a custodian, mm. had that job for a good while and just basically just drove the car, you know, it was rattle can black, you know, for my brother. Yeah. And, um, then I started working. I wanted to do more stuff to it, and I knew a lot of the guys over at 4Ace Motorsports. So uh, a lot of the guys, uh, not like the head guy, Jeff Razor, who started the company, but there were some other guys that kind of were there when he started it, like John Owens. Um, I knew his younger brother because we rode bikes together, and we grew up in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And a couple of other buddies, like um, CJ Toon, who was like my best friend at the time, he was working there and uh aaron garcia um these are big names out here at least you know a lot of the guys that were like behind the scenes yeah uh, that a lot of people don't know too much about i mean a lot of people probably know about uh aaron garcia or john owens because john owens branched off and uh, started future fabrication okay and uh Aaron Garcia was pretty big in the Honda scene, out here at least, and he's really known for, like, his quality of welds.
0: And this is which area? This is uh, around Phoenix? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, uh, Full Race Motorsports uh, was out in Phoenix at the time. Um, I was still living in Mesa, and most of the guys were, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to do more to my car, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to freaking, you know, afford a lot of the parts, so I started, you know, hanging around around them. I think I made a traction bar, like, off the clock. They, like, kind of made me pay for materials, and then they were like, this is how you weld. And I had, like, brief welding experience in high school, and it wasn't anything good. It was, like, stick welding and oxyacetylene, you know, not stuff that you would necessarily use on a car, you know, not that they're bad or good or anything like that, but... So, started hanging around there, doing that, and then I started, uh, you know, kind of wanting to build a turbo kit for it, Mm -hmm. but at that point in time, you know, I couldn't afford it, and really, uh, the guys weren't really up for me building, like, full-on turbo manifolds in their shop, you know, while I was working there, so... I kind of, they were waiting for, or I was waiting for a spot to open up, and they did, and it was running the robot. Because they have a robot welder over there. Okay. Um, and started doing that, and then, you know, within six months, had a turbo kit built for my car, you know, that I made, you know. I had a couple of the guys who are more experienced welding do kind of things that are more important, you know, like weld the intercooler in tanks on and stuff like that. But then while I was welding, uh, while I was running the robot, in between each weld, you would have, it was roughly like two to three minutes. So I just, they had a welder in the welder in the robot room, like a, you know, a manual one. And I just freaking hopped on that thing in between welds and just started freaking, you know, teaching myself basically, you know, and have the guys come in and talk shit to me and yeah. tell me what I was doing.
0: So you had like tell two, me. two to three minute windows to get a quick weld down and then you got to jump back on the robot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So basically what, is you're just taking a constructed piece you know that they tack together and uh you fixture it on this uh it's kind of like a lathe and basically it's hooked up to the welder itself and what it would do is it would do high amperage pulse well, actually it was low amperage but uh, um it would stay on it for quite a while so basically it would do individual beads as it was turned on the lathe and um, while you're sitting there you wouldn't really have much to do i mean i was kind of uh cutting collectors too you know like doing the robot letting that thing go off and basically go over to the bandsaw cut some collectors yeah uh, and then i'd run back and forth but there was a lot of times because you're sitting there welding turbo manifolds literally all day on the on the you know um robot welder so if i had a second or two I was sitting down on there, just sticking random pieces together, you know, kind of messing around, and they kind of, like, um, evolved into more, like, I started getting better at welding, then they were wanting me to, like, starting to fit stuff together, so I started fitting stuff together, basically just trying to do whatever I could to work myself up the ladder to, you know, not only, you know, build more stuff for myself, but, like, you know, grow in the company, Yeah, you know, and grow in the company too, because at that point in time, this was like 2006. I mean, they were like a staple in mm-hmm. manifolds. you know, like everybody had a full race Ram Horn or there were people that were, you know, building things that were very similar to a full race Ram Horn. And I mean, it's debatable whether they're the first ones to, to make it, mm-hmm. but I think that uh, you can definitely say that full race is, one one of the companies that like made it like a big deal you know in the honda industry yeah,
0: yeah it um it seems like there's a lot of uh manifolds and a lot of welding that comes out of that small area in uh, Arizona
1: yeah dude there's a, i mean there's a lot of people that are coming around here i mean you know afi was here at that one point in time um i think uh peak boost was out here at, at you know then too mm-hmm. And it's funny because, like, AFI was literally right down the street from Full Race. And we would have, like, barbecues, like, every weekend. And uh, one of my good buddies that actually helped me out a lot, Aaron Teague, he had a shop over in what we call VTech Alley.
0: Mm
1: I don't know if you heard about it, but it's got, like, like low, low cash is over there. Passport is right around the corner. You know, RC had a shop there at one point in time. Yeah. Uh, You know, like I said, AFI was there. And T brought them to the barbecue. And it was kind of almost like a Mexican standoff for a few seconds. But (laughs) really good guys. And I ended up working with uh, two of the guys later on, you know, we're at JDL, actually. Got you. But a lot of guys out here, welding, turbo manifolds, you know, I mean, the Honda scene is pretty big out in Phoenix itself.
0: Yeah. So, so when you're uh, you're working at Full Race, you're learning how to weld, are you still biking at the same time?
1: Yeah, I was. I mean, I was pretty big into it. I mean, whether I was good or not, that was debatable. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it's something that I love to do and I really enjoyed. You yeah. know, I mean, I was actually just talking to a buddy of mine that I worked at Full Race with and uh we were just talking about like that period of time of our lives was it was such a short period Mm -hmm. but like it really made us who we were Mm -hmm. like i mean i started riding bmx like late junior high or no yeah well ninth grade was our junior high in, in, in mesa gotcha gotcha at that point in time but i was like really you know i wanted to play football and being a football but then i started picking up a bike during the summer just kind of hanging out with, with friends causing a ruckus in the neighborhood and then i did uh you know freshman football and i realized how much i hated it mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't as fun anymore because it was like more like serious obviously the coaches yeah. wanted to win rather than have a good time yeah 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 and of uh, you know maybe it was all the punk rock i was listening to at that point in time but Kind of fell out of love with it, and then started getting into the BMX, and then yeah, I just kind of, you know, was doing that all through high school, and then I don't know, even up into my freaking early thirties.
0: Yeah, you know? hell, I yeah. even now
1: have my bike. I mean, I still ride. It's just harder to get out, and you know, I don't know. It's it's Arizona, so it's also hot too. Yeah.
0: I was going <laughs> to ask that man. I could just imagine me at the skate park just riding around probably run out dude, of energy real quick
1: dude i can't even imagine like i don't it doesn't make sense to me like us riding bikes in the middle of the summer yeah like i don't it like now you know it's grown adult and like my kids are out front playing too yeah and i'm just like how are they doing that like do you not care does it not matter to you at all like the sun is just beating down on you and freaking
0: I don't know. Then you got to look well. at it from a, a child's point of view. They have zero to worry about in their entire life. So they're just jazzed on whatever.
1: No. And I asked my daughter about it, you know, just recently I was like, is it hot to you out there? You know, yeah. like not trying to like stink about it. I was like, what do you think? You know, kind of like feeling her out. She's like, I don't really notice it. She's kind of, <laughs> Like doesn't care. Yeah. Just, freaking live your life. I mean, I've done that, you know, like I remember one summer me and my buddy CJ, uh, who I worked at full race with, mm-hmm. uh, we were in uh, junior high and his mom somehow came across like a full on, like two or three pound bag of sour gummy worms
0: mm-hmm.
1: and lived on other ends of town. And he rode over to my house and he's like, dude, I got these gummy worms. We should freaking go right around and eat them and it's like dead summer dude. So we're talking triple digits. I mean, I wouldn't have been a bit surprised if it was like, you know, 110 plus. Yeah. And we're just down eating the sour gummy worms, thinking nothing of it. Hour later, dude, we're both just like, I'm exhausted, dude. I'm dead. You know. Freaking feeling all sick and like breathing <laughs> anymore, you know. Yeah. But.
0: So so you say you were into uh to punk rock. What were you listening to when you're biking?
1: Uh, obviously a lot of Pennywise, you know, gotcha. was like the big one, uh, melancholy, mm-hmm. um, face to face, no use for a name. I mean, I was also listening to some poppy stuff too at that point in time, like newfound glory.
0: Yeah. uh goldfinger. Gotcha. <laughs> so all the, all yeah. the warp tour main stages.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, I'll, I'll, a good chunk of them for sure. Did you ever yeah.
0: go out to a, a warp tour?
1: No, dude. I really, you know, what's funny is like, uh, my my wife, uh, she was my girlfriend in high school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Actually, one of the first things I did for her, we, I don't even think we were dating at the time, is I made her a melancholy uh, uh mixed mixed CD. Yeah, she still has it, dude. It's freaking, it's haggard, dude. <laughs> like, glue tried gluing like a a a, a, a melancholy freaking logo on the thing. Yeah. Just, like, totally destroyed. Like, you can't even play it anymore. It doesn't make (laughs) it, But, like, she still has it for, like, sentimental value. But, like, uh, I never went to, like, any punk rock shows until um, probably, like, my late teens, early 20s. And they weren't even punk rock shows. I was going to, like... At that point, I was starting to get into, like, Screamo and stuff like that. So I saw, like, Atreyu, uh, Under Oath, um Scary Kids, Scaring Kids, they're like a local band here. Greeley Estates, they're a local band, you know. Like, I didn't go to a lot of the shows, but uh, definitely wanted to at that point in time. It's funny, like, years later, Mel and Colin, they're a Swedish band. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. them. They're a Swedish punk rock band. And they came to Arizona in 2016, I think. And my wife and I bought tickets and went and saw them. Yeah it was like you know full circle you know we were super pumped and then uh just last year we went and saw uh face to face and bag wagon
0: yeah dude
1: oh my gosh man like it was such a good time you know and like just being there and i really missed you know like that environment of going to shows and you know uh obviously the punk rock scene themselves i wasn't getting in any of the mosh pits or anything like that but it's funny dude like you would see old guys out there you know uh mid to late 30s maybe even early 40s wearing earplugs but they're in the mosh
0: (laughs) yeah man that was (laughs) such a good uh that was such a good era bro
1: dude it was man i mean obviously there's a lot of other stuff that i was listening to at that point in time but like oh my gosh dude like I try to like sneak it in when I got the kids in the car with me and I'm like you guys what do you think of this stuff you know you're gonna be into it you know not trying to force it on them but appreciate my generation of music that I was into at that point in time you know
0: dude some so many similarities bro like just last week I uh, put system of a down on and my son he's 13 and I was like dude Around your age, this is what I was listening to. And I put some chop suey on for him, dude. And he's like, I like this. I'm like, hell yeah. And then, yeah. Um,
1: and then I've gone as far as, like, uh, obviously I've listened to a wide variety of stuff. But, like, at one point in time, I had a cradle of filth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stage that I was listening to. And my oldest daughter, she was probably... I don't know, maybe like twelve or thirteen at the time, and I was just kind of joking around, and I put it on, and she's all, "I really like this," <laughs> you know. His voice, the lead singer, he can go from like the deepest near the lowest lows to the highest highs, you know. Yeah, she's like, "How do you even do that?" You know, like she was so interested in it, and I was like, "I don't even know," but
0: I like it. <laughs> Man, those were yeah. awesome times, dude. Um, Warp Tour, which ended. Not last year, but I believe the year before, if I'm not mistaken, it was the last year. I um, uh, ended up taking my son and my uh, my nephew and my best friend. Uh, we all went in a big group. My wife went and stuff. But uh, us four, we went into the mosh pit for the Chotos, dude. And uh, it was so awesome, bro, because it's just me and my best friend and then my son and my nephew, like, we're behind them. And they're just freaking out, like, in the mosh pit, just looking around. And everybody that's in the pit is just, like, cheering them on and just like, yeah, let's go. And it was so fun, dude. That's, like, some of my best memories of my childhood were uh, just going to shows. And it's it's a shame that I don't even know if that's going to be around anymore in the future.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I'm hopeful about it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it may be you know what I want, you know. Too, I want everything to go back to at least somewhat normal. Yeah. But I gotta, I gotta stay positive about it. Yeah, definitely. And you, that the things are gonna somewhat you know turn to. I mean, it won't be a hundred percent, but at least go to the point where you can start doing stuff like that again. Because I mean, even like going to comedy shows, stuff like that. Like, what are these guys gonna do? You know, like, it's fun to go to that stuff, you know, it's fun to go to concerts, it's fun to go to, you know, um, you know, even stuff like plays on Broadway and stuff like that. Those people, they're not going to just give up. Yeah. They're going to push for it, dude. They're going to find a way to make it, you know, relevant again. I Mm. mean, there's even guys, you know, that are doing like comedians that are doing like drive-in theaters. Mm -hmm. So you can go car and they set up stages and they put up screens and you're at a live show yeah you know I mean and that's in the midst of what's going on right now I mean you know they're having the people stay in their cars you know if you get out you obviously have to have a mask on you're in the outside so you know it's a lot different than being in like a concert venue yeah you know so I think I think people will find a way you know yeah or at least that's
0: that was uh like on jurassic park you know it finds a way nature finds. (laughs) nature finds a
1: way what a movie reference dude
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i saw that uh burt kreischer he's been doing some outside events and i've heard that it's been pretty successful
1: yeah that dude he's like you listen you know i listen to a lot of comedy podcasts yeah and He's a really good salesman. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I mean, it sounds cool. I mean, it, and he actually went to Arizona, and my wife and I were considering it, but I'm not a huge fan of him, to be honest with you.
0: What do you? Uh, who uh, do you like?
1: Dude, I I like that group of guys, though. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, I'm kind of a freaking ashamed to say a couple of the guys' names right now because they're in some deep waters. But like, <laughs> I've seen Crystal multiple times. You know, Brian Callen, I, I I really liked, you know, like I used to listen to 10-minute podcasts all the time. It was him, it was Chris D'Elia, ben, and Brian Callen, and Will Sasso. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know, with, with the time right now, I don't know. You know, it's it's tough to go back on those ones and listen to them because you hear some stuff. Now, whether they're right or wrong, I don't I don't know. They definitely did some messed up things, especially Chris D'Elia, But, you know, it's just like those guys, you know, Tom Segura, I've seen once, I think, but I listen to I probably listen to his podcast the most.
0: Him and his wife. Yeah, at
1: your mom's house.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard a couple episodes, and they're pretty raunchy, huh?
1: <laughs> Lately, they've been getting a little bit harder, but I don't. Uh, I don't really see all the raunchy stuff because I just watch it on YouTube, so oh, yeah. I only get the reactions. So it's pr- it's not as bad for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, like. I don't know. They're still pretty funny outside of the raunchy stuff. Um oh, I, do I, listen I to two, them for sure. I, I, I do listen to the freaking Two Bears, One Cave with Burt Kreischer and uh, Tom Segura. Yeah. That's pretty funny, but it's mainly just Burt Kreischer saying dumb stuff and Tom Segura, you know, either making fun of him about it or like looking at the uh, TV screen. all like, all right, man. <laughs>
0: I guess if you're into that stuff, dude. Bert, Bert
1: will just go on for five minutes like, what the fuck are you saying? Freaking freaking 60 ounce, or, uh, you know, yeah, 60 ounces of freaking Kool-Aid. He's all, it's low calorie. It's like, that's not good for you. Well, it's low calorie. It's still not good for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? just it's hilarious. I, I, yeah, so those ones, and then... Uh, like, uh, Andrew Santino, Bobby Lee, you know, those guys, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty picky on that stuff for the most part. I listen to a lot of MMA stuff too, mm. but I would say that's like a staple, like those things. I mean, what do you, what do you usually listen to? I mean, I'm, I'm always open to freaking new stuff, but it's just like, I'm, I'm picky about like Joe Rogan. I'm, you know, I would say your mom's house is part of the only one I listen to every episode, but like a lot of the other ones, I kind of just pick and choose.
0: When as far as podcast to. wise yeah um probably one that i don't miss uh quite often would be the the brilliant idiots with uh charlemagne and uh, andrew schultz oh okay um that's a good one um andrew schultz he's one of my favorite comedians uh, i love that oh. dude yeah yeah so he's pretty- yeah he's uh he's definitely pushing the pushing the boundaries for sure and that's that's his idea with his comedy which is cool but it's uh, it's just very interesting to watch because he says a lot of things that we're not supposed to say anymore, and it's uh, it's kind of refreshing.
1: Yeah, for sure, dude. I mean, I think with all that stuff, it's with uh, you know, in context, and it's your intent.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, like,
1: are you trying to be malicious towards somebody? You're trying to be freaking, you know, put them down, you know, and it's different in a friendly manner too, you know. I mean, it's like you hang out with your friends and you joke around with them and you say stuff and you call them out for their crap, you know, but I'm sure if you did it on a large platform, some feelings would definitely get hurt.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. There's so much stuff that I say inside my house that if it went out, dude, it would be a problem. But I, I just say it cause it's funny. I'm trying to make my <laughs> wife just laugh. I'm trying to make my friends laugh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Dude. When we're around a the campfire, there might be some things that I say that, you know, are a little bit, uh, you know, hurt feelings towards everybody else.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why I love comedy, man, and that's why I love podcasting because I feel like both of those are pretty much the the last mediums that we have to really express ourselves and not have to worry about you know getting deplatformed or something like that. When granted, if I do say something that's crazy on the podcast, I have to deal with the repercussions from that. But I do also know our demographic and I'm not dealing with the demographic that like a Joe Rogan is dealing with. Most of the people that listen to it have the same type of idea or they understand what I'm saying or they won't take it as seriously as if the podcast was in more popular. Then you have more eyes on it and then people who aren't familiar with me or the background or what we're trying to say or Or even the context of it, you know? So that's kind of why I like this. um, There's still the earlier stages of the podcast because once it does get to that mainstream um, part of podcasting, then I'm going to definitely have to worry about things that I say. But um, fuck it. Deal with it later.
1: Are you going to freaking you know, start censoring yourself, or are you gonna start, you know, changing your opinions on things? No, you know?
0: Probably not. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, dude, and I,
1: I don't think a lot of people should, you mm. know, like obviously times are different right now and, you know, it's a lot harder, so you, you you definitely need to be careful what you say and how you say it, but you know, I mean, there's there's good people and there's bad people out there, you know? Like there's it's always gonna be like that. So I mean, as long as you're not doing it, you know in a mean way towards people then yeah it's all good. like i mean you even see it like i don't know you see it obviously a lot on podcasts and stuff like that where they like take like a small like segment of what someone's talking about yeah. and they don't get like full spec uh, you know uh, conversation you know they take like you know three to five minutes out of it rather than like a 10 to 20 minute part of the conversation you know and it can really like Any random person who can look at it, especially a headline of it, and be like, oh, gosh, dude, I'm writing that dude off, freaking 100%, you know, completely. I don't even want anything to do with him anymore. Bad person, you know.
0: Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute. Kyoto Automotive has been a supporter of Downtime with Downstar for quite some time now, and we know that they're in your corner, that they got your back, whether you're under a car or you just need some help. No matter your race, creed, engine platform preference, that motto stands true. Accord, Civic, S2000, any Honda, any customer, anywhere in the world with equal respectful treatment for all. We at downtime with downstar share these values and as a special gift to downtime listeners they are giving you guys a special deal using the let's deal function at the top of heeltoeauto.com you'll find an option to request a special quote submit a special quote using the key phrase i'm down with downstar once again the key phrase is i'm down with downstar for a special deal on whatever you're shopping for. And of course, if you need any help, Marcus from Heeltoe is available by call, text, email to help out. Heeltoe wishes you guys a happy, healthy, and safe 2020. So I know a lot of you guys are questioning, what is this whole cult thing that's going on? Well, we're at Downstar, are starting our own cult. What is it? Are you gonna have to drink punch? Are we gonna sleep with your wives? No, none of that yet. But what it is, is a direct number to us, meaning me, frank downstar i'm the one that's answering the text so please right now text us 818-403-3473 you're just gonna have to follow a couple simple steps get added to your contacts and uh text us you know let us know what you're thinking of the episode so far if you guys have any questions anything like that anything even want to talk about life man just shoot us a text we're here to help you guys out and we're here to have some fun man and uh that's what the cult's about so come join the cult 818-403-3473 no charges we're not going to be selling your info no bullshit like that guys just straight up fun so make sure you guys shoot us a text right now 818-403-3473 and uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. Have a good day. So Yeah. So speaking of uh, podcasts and comedy podcasts, what about uh, Joey Diaz? Um,
1: like I said, dude, I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of picky, dude. Like, I'll listen to him on stuff. Uh, You know, like I was actually just listening. I, I only got maybe like 30 minutes to an hour in on the one that they just did with Joey Diaz, Redman, gotcha. and Rogan. Um, he's hilarious, I love hearing his stories there's another one that I listen to, it's called The Honeydew, Mm -hmm. it's Ryan Sickler he's the kind of uh, Tom Segura and he was originally doing it out of the uh, YMH studios and he has had Joey Diaz on there for like the saga, dude, like five or six episodes where Joey Diaz is just basically telling his life story and we're four hours in and he's still only like 21 <laughs> <laughs> you know like just like oh, i don't
0: shit. know I, I like it,
1: but i'm not i'm i guess i'm not a fan of his comedy but then again I, I don't think i've actually really listened to it but nothing's really like put me in that position where i'm like yeah i gotta check out this freaking stand up you know like yeah so, i mean that's kind of how i feel about him i mean He's freaking hilarious, and he has no filter, and I freaking love it. You know, like, he, what? so, like I said, I, I'm big into MMA, mm-hmm. and there is this chick that came over, I think it was Mackenzie Dern. Mm-hmm. She's, like, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, big player, and she came into the UFC and got a win, and Joey Diaz said something about, you know, her crotch smelling really nice. <laughs> you know, he in trouble for it, but it was like, "Yeah, that guy's pretty funny,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I love Joey Diaz. Uh, we actually have a, a nice comedy club here in Oxnard. It's called Levity Live. So they have okay. one here, and then they have one in, uh, I think it's called Nyack, um, somewhere in New York. But um, I guess it's a, it's a good one up there as well. So like Joe Rogan's come down here, uh, Joey Diaz has come down here. A lot of big comedians. Uh, I think even Andrew Schultz. I've seen Andrew Schultz right there. But uh, yeah, that's that's definitely one thing that I do miss. Just thinking about it right now, man. I, if if this whole COVID thing wasn't going on, we would definitely be at a lot more comedy shows.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I mean, actually, I have tickets right now to go see Andrew Santino. Uh, and we were supposed to go at the beginning of the month. Mm-hmm. And they pushed it back to December. But the comedy show that they have out here, obviously the the Tempe Improv is a big one, but then they have Stand Up Live. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I, you know, obviously wanna go and do stuff and you know, but be safe as possible. They have like, you know, they set in the email all this stuff that they're, you know, gonna have assigned seating and you're gonna be X amount apart, you know, no parties bigger than ten, stuff like that. You know, basically everything that they're putting in the guidelines. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it was uh, Stand Up Live or Andrew Santino who decided to postpone it. So I think they're now like December 12th or something like that is Mm. where we're supposed to be. But, you know, that's, we've been to, you know, my wife and I, we've been to a lot of comedy shows, even ones that, like, you know, we get, because they get free tickets out a lot around here. If it's somebody that's kind of like lower level, we've been to a couple for the but like Theo Vaughn bon, I don't know if you yeah uh his podcast like how we've seen him live Pablo Francisco who was like a big guy like back in the day mm-hmm. saw him live you know we've seen a good handful of guys very it's fun cool. to go to those now that you're an adult you know they you get a couple drinks and you get a meal you know and you get a show at the same time too you know yeah hopefully that hopefully that stuff comes back man I mean like I said like I'd like it to have at least a little
0: bit of normalcy. Yeah, something's... It's going to change, dude. You know, um, I'm I'm just looking forward to January, February-ish because I know that uh, everything is going to... It's bubbling up and it's going to explode for election. That's just what it is. Yeah. It's going to happen. And whether it goes one way or another, there can be some discrepancies about who won... Got to re- recount or whatever. So I, I don't even see us seeing a winner of the election until late 2020. But once that whoever is going to be the next president or what have you happens, then things are going to start to get back to normal. Because the the new president, whoever it's going to be, is that's going to be their thing is they want to change things around so it makes them look good. That's the way that I right. see it. So I don't really see us getting anywhere close to normal until probably after November, for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with. You. I'm not like a big political guy or anything like that, but I could definitely see that being what's going to uh, push us one way or the other, at least, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. So let's jump back into it, bro. 2000. Uh, you said about 2006. Is when you were working at um at full race? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so then um you're you're working on the robot, you're doing a little on the side. Are they noticing your hustle that you're putting into it, this extra work?
1: Oh, I wasn't doing anything on the side at that point in time, but I mean I was definitely getting noticed for the hustle. I mean I would say at least within a year of working there, I was doing um close to everything. Cool. You know? Because at that point in time, it was really like big changing point for the company. I mean, we had hired on, uh, well, I don't say, and uh, Jeff racer had hired on, um, a guy to basically whip us into shape because at that point in time, you know, 2006, 2007, you know, the company, I think they opened in 2002, if I believe correctly. And they're literally just dudes. They were doing it out of their backyard. They've had a shop and then, uh, they just started bringing their friends, you know, Jeff bringing his friends over from New Jersey and then, uh, John, uh, Owens was bringing, you know, his friends and his brother's friends in from Mesa, mm-hmm. you know, kind of help out. You know, I think I even worked there, uh, a month, um, with no pay just cause I wanted to like get in there, you know, like I just wanted to freaking be part of the team, build stuff for my car But I was hanging out with all the guys that I grew up with, went to high school with, rode bikes with, and we all still rode bikes. I mean, you know, there was uh, Noki Nationals around those times, and Full Race would always do an open house. And uh, I think it was right before I came on, or maybe like right after I got there, we had a ramp at the shop, you know, a little five-foot kicker. And, you know, during the open house, you know, they would... Open it up, you know. We'd have a big car show, big barbecue, you know, and we'd ride the ramp and stuff like that, and uh, you know, just hang out and have a good time. But it was literally just like a bunch of dudes wearing freaking cutoff jeans, you know, van shoes, you know, not really caring about this, you know, gauges in their ears, you know, you know, hair was dyed black. Just like we were just having fun and making good products and jeff wanted to take it to the next level which is completely understandable and he brought in this guy and a lot of the guys left yeah uh because you know because they were starting to um you know kind of crack down on us not making our hours and like kind of you have to produce so much during the day like it progressively got to a point where like you know the, the company itself had to produce x amount of manifolds Uh, within a, you know, week's time or whatever, you know, so a lot of the guys didn't like it, but uh, I was still there and I was still enjoying what I was doing. I mean, before, you know, like I said, I was a custodian. Um, I even worked at a bike shop for, you know, many years as a part-timer and then I turned into uh, a full-timer and I was actually doing that. I was doing part-time bike work while I was custodian and then once I quit the custodian, I was doing full-time at the bikes and then I got the job at Full Race so I was actually working midnight shift at Full Race for I don't even know a good chunk of time, not like over a year or anything like that. But uh, so I was working full time at the bike shop, ten hour or get in there at ten, leave at six, and then go to Full Race and be there from like seven to like three a.m. You wow. know, running the robot collectors, fucking around, you know, doing whatever. So
0: what was your drive for doing that? What's that? What was your drive for doing that? I don't know, dude. I don't,
1: I mean, I don't know my parents, you know, cause you know, I was, a, you know, what does that call that? A freaking, uh, latch key, you know, like freaking my parents, you know, were always working, you know, my grandma was there to watch us and maybe I just saw something in that and I just always wanted to work. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't doing much with my money, dude. I was blowing it on dumb stuff, mm-hmm. you know? uh, having fun or freaking car parts, you know? And I just, I don't know. I was kind of not really knowing what I wanted to do, you know? And I saw maybe an Avenue with welding and stuff like that. And I saw full race, like as a really big company at that point in time, you know, I was seeing like ads and magazines and stuff like that. And, you look through and see someone with a turbo manifold from full race, you know, all over yeah. the U S and all over the world, really around that time point in time. So I didn't even know realistically it was just Yeah, I mean, now that we're talking about it, it was really just like all my friends were doing it. Literally we just got there and it's not to say that we, we were producing some of the sickest stuff at that point in time, at least from my eyes. and, you know granted bread and butter at full race was turbo manifolds uh you know down pipes you know turbo accessories you know stuff like that i like full-on kits but like pretty much kits aside from like fuel injection and engine management and we were just literally just like fucking around all day mm. you know i mean we were i mean i hope jeff doesn't get too mad about it we were like shooting bottle rockets off in the freaking shop while we were making Turo
0: uniforms, dude. Like, hey, at but, one point in time, what's that? Uh, I mean, but things are getting done. That's all that matters. You know, that's, oh, that's how I would look at it sometimes. Just things are getting done. Dude.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, a lot of the guys, they may not have put their 40 hours in, but like we were still making products and shipping them all over the freaking world. You know, like we were taking care of a lot of the guys and a lot of guys that were actually leading like the Honda industry when it came to like drag racing, you know, and then it turned into like, I think right when Nopi started to die off is when they started getting into drifting.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I don't know if you know, Horace Wang, you know, he was a big, you know, he's still a big guy. He started coming over. He had a full race kit. He was from Hawaii. He, I'm not sure how long he was there for, but then he just started hanging around the shop and, he started bringing his friends in from Hawaii, and it was, you know, pretty much the place to be and building all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, Justin Pollock was there. You know, he had his, FR, uh, or his RX-7 at that point in time. These are, like, really big guys in, like, the drifting industry. Gotcha. You know, really big, you know, they compete with, like, the, you know, uh, basically all those guys, like. I can't even think of the names off the top of my head, you know, but like Forrest Wang and, Jordan and Justin Paul, like they were just hanging out, but we were still just like punk kids, you know, messing around, doing dumb stuff, but producing like state of the art stuff. And Jeff kind of wanted to, you know, kind of shape the business up and I get that. And I stayed there. I mean, I was there for seven and a half years, mm, you know? Wow. So, you know, once they brought the new guy in, You know, a lot of the guys left because they just didn't like that structure. But that was just their personality, you know? I mean, a lot of the guys I'm still friends with to this day, but they left around that point in time, maybe because of the upper management, but also for personal reasons, probably. And uh, they started to kind of branch off, and then I kind of almost, in a sense, like, took their roles on once they left. It was funny, like, me... A lot of people aren't going to know this name unless you're a local guy. But Joey Lumpkin, we were hired on like a week apart from each other. And he's this dude from freaking Bisbee, Arizona. Super far south. Like you can see the Mexican border from his house. Gotcha. It's pretty (laughs) He got hired on. And one of the best welders, we used to call him Joe Bot. Because he would weld like the robot. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And... We got hired on around the same point in time, and we just kind of stuck around while a lot of the people started either, you know, leaving because of upper management or, you know, them unfortunately got fired too. But, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we just basically filled their shoes as um, the guys that were like prototyping a lot of the stuff, you know, doing the final welds on everything, doing final inspections on stuff before they went out the door you know yeah it was it it definitely grew in to a company that it was kind of like making a lot more money obviously but still kind of held that standard for high quality you know
0: turbo parts got you so what year did you end up leaving there 2013
1: i think was when i left
0: god did you, did you ever go yeah, to think, any uh Any of the events, uh, like any where they would have a a booth at?
1: We would go to SEMA, but we weren't part of the booth. (laughs) I mean, we were going, you know, a lot of the times, or at least when we did go, like, um, we were just kind of there to kind of roam around, check the stuff out, but also hang out in Vegas,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Doing some extracurricular activities Now,
0: you know i remember in 2012 uh at h day i'm not sure if it was a full race booth if you guys were even there but i did get a a t-shirt it was uh probably one of the coolest automotive t-shirts i ever got with the uh jesus's mom or something on it with the turbo and yeah
1: with the people in the center that is still like i think they actually stopped producing them maybe like a year or two ago uh for whatever reason yeah. but it's funny they they do uh i still am really good friends with four and you know the guys that work there they actually for mayhem they do my powder coating gotcha so i go over there maybe you know at least once a week you know to pick stuff up and drop stuff off and uh when they were getting rid of them um i was like let me grab a couple and I grabbed a couple and I got some smalls and my kids now wear them to to school. <laughs> like, when they were going to school. You know, it's just like you know, like, you know, teenage kids yeah. going to freaking school, junior high wearing freaking you know, Jesus the a turbo in the center of it, you know? <laughs> what is it? A sacred heart place to sacred heart with a with a turbo, you know. <laughs> I love it, it man. Really one of the best shirts, you know, I mean the guy who designed that, Chris Westcott, uh, he was, you know, welder, fabricator, stuff like that. But then he started getting really big into photography. Now he's actually a, a hot shot, you know, for the fire service. But he designed that whole setup yeah, for that shirt. And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, that's, you still see one and you laugh, obviously. It's freaking hilarious. But it is, like, one of the coolest automotive t-shirts that you'll see out there
0: definitely if anybody has a large out there please please hit me up because i would love to have <laughs> another one of those <laughs> sick bro so 2013 you get out of there um is this when you move over to uh, jdl
1: um not exactly around like 2011 um i was that that's when i started like really doing side work around 2011 um you know, my wife and I had our first kid together in 2008, and uh, I started to, you know, kind of really bust my ass for the most part, you know, because she was working for a short period of time, but then it got to a point, I think the company that she worked for caved in, and then, uh, it's funny, She at that point in time, she worked for another welding fabrication company, nothing to do with automotive industry, they were in Intel, but... Just funny that she's working for a welding fabrication company. I'm working for a welding fabrication company. Yeah, but it caved in, and then uh, she was just basically a stay-at-home mom. And you know, for those couple of years, we were like really like you know struggling really hard. Um, and then an opportunity came up where I was going to start doing some side work, and it was actually for Aaron Teague, you know TSR. Uh, Teak Speed Racing, he mm-hmm. worked for race um with me. I can't remember when he exactly left. Might have been like 2009-ish. And he had his own shop over on VTech Alley doing like mechanic work or building engines. Or, you know, he's like Joe Locash's mechanic, you know, for his, the race car. And now he's the driver. But at that point in time, he was doing a lot of car builds. And he needed someone to just basically come in and do a charge pipe, you know connect some dots here and there, you know down pipes waistgates stuff like that so I started doing that on the side and luckily at that point in time full race was doing four tens so I would have Friday off and I would basically just use my Friday to stay at his shop and start doing stuff on the side and I started getting the idea of like possibly I don't know if I was thinking about fully like doing my own thing, but I was like, maybe I should just get a name with what I'm doing. You know I mean? I was talking to Teague about it and obviously, Hey, he had his name and he was doing stuff. And I was like, what if I kind of started sliding stickers into people's cars as they were leaving your shop when I did some work on them, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, fine. And I started mayhem then in 2011, at least just making stickers and, you know, just kind of messing around, playing around with the idea of doing something about it. But then I started getting really burnt out at full as with just, you know, being there that long. And I didn't feel like I could grow anymore. You know, as a guy in the back, just building turbo folds and stuff like that. Like, um, I wasn't getting much stimulus out of it, mm-hmm. you know? So I told myself, we bought a... My wife and I, we bought our first house in 2013 at the beginning of it. And I told myself, I'm going to give myself six months and I'm going to freaking, I'm going to find a job somewhere else. And basically gave myself a deadline for October. And I had really nothing lined up at that point in time. I was still doing stuff on the side, but I got like literally the, the Thursday that I left full race. I had a job lined up at this place. It was called Flat Out Motorworks. Basically, they were just like uh, they were a mechanic shop, but they were like re- really big into like SCCA racing and stuff, like that, autocrossing. And they needed a guy to come in and kind of do odds and ends stuff, cage work, um, which I was not too familiar with, but I was definitely interested in. I'm probably like helped out on maybe like one or two cages, you know, while I was at the full race and uh i started working there and it was even like i was doing really cool stuff but it was even worse like i i just didn't get along with the the guys that work there you know i didn't really hang out with them a lot like it was just like i was just coming in and doing my work and like leaving and uh i wanted to get out of there so i started talking to jesse Mm i think this was around the time where i actually started like really having conversations with him i didn't really um know him at that point in time and i can't remember how it even happened i just went over to his shop oh because i was hanging i was doing teague still on fridays and he had a shop he was doing jdl uh over there and i i just randomly started talking to him and telling him that i wanted to leave the place i was at because I was just over it. And he's like, yeah, dude, we need another guy down here to, like, kind of sit next to their other fabricator and just kind of work all day. And I was like, dude, I can freaking do that shit. I'm like, I'll do anything and everything you want me to do, you know? Like, So I went over there and started working for there. But I was still doing four tens and still helping Teague out on the side. And then uh, I was there for... Two and a half years, mm-hmm. and did some really freaking cool stuff. And it was cool to do like, you know, at full race. Like, it was obviously their bread and butter is, is Hondas, but they were doing like two JZ manifolds. They were doing stuff for the you know Mazda three. Um, rare, uh, occasionally we'd get like a rotary turbo manifold stuff like that. But like uh, at this point in time, Jesse had an FRS, mm-hmm. and he was obviously still doing Honda stuff. But uh, he was also doing Volkswagen stuff, which Full Race wasn't doing, like the VR6. And then uh, he had a, an FRS at that time and was producing turbo manifolds for those. So it was like the same thing, but it was like completely different, you know, because of the way that everything's all set up, you know, the, the turbo manifold swoops up in front of the motor, you know, right behind the radiator, and it sits up high, and then, it, you know, you got a downpipe that goes down, and it has to kind of snake through the chassis and stuff like that. And, uh, really did some freaking sick stuff there. Like started doing like pie cuts around that time and, and titanium, you know, welding was my first time there. Like I did a lot of stuff that I didn't do at full race mm-hmm. that was still like stimulating to me, you know, cause it was the same. Yeah. So I was comfortable with it, but it was different in the fact that I could kind of get creative. And Jesse was really cool about that too. And that's what kind of sucked about the full race thing too. It was like production style. Not that they're that there's wrong with that, but, like, it could really, like, wear on somebody mentally if that's what they're doing all day, every day, Definitely, you know, day in. It's like Groundhog's Day, dude. Mm-hmm. You come in, I'll do the same thing every single time. And granted, I was, at full race, like, you know, one of their higher welders, so I was doing everything, you know? Like, I'd switch over from intercoolers to downpipes to turbo manifolds, you know? Um at that point in time we were doing something with the word traction bars, but uh it was different at JDL because he was doing a lot of custom work too. And Jesse and his mom Deb, they're really good people, and they you know, Jesse's got a really good head on his shoulders, and they produce some really freaking dope stuff for the FRS, and now I think they're doing stuff for like the Mazda Miata, um, obviously, you know, like I said, the Volkswagen stuff like that. But um I was there for two and a half years, two years, maybe. And one of the guys that I worked at, uh, with started, uh, was kind of had his own business, but he was doing stuff for this company, science of speed out of his shop for them. And he was like getting tired of it. He was actually getting some help. He was having some health issues. So he was kind of going to step away from the science of speed and they wanted to bring someone in. Uh, full time to build stuff under their umbrella and I was still doing stuff uh, for Teague at this point in time actually I was working a couple different jobs I was working at JDL um, going to Teague's some nights of the week and then working at another company Black Market Racing they're out here they do like a lot of uh, I would say they do like a wide variety of stuff but most of their stuff I would say is like corvette uh ctsv gotcha and i was just going in there kind of they were kind of getting their foot in the door and these were guys that had worked in Florace's office as like salesmen and then they started their own company they came from oklahoma jeremy and austin uh, and then they would do they were trying to get more fab work done so i was just there kind of helping out kind of getting everything going and then um so i was still doing teagues just kind of mayhem at the time and then you know uh, black market and jdl and then i was kind of wanted to get to a point where i was kind of only doing one job rather than working 60 hours a week yeah <laughs> you
0: know
1: so science of speed came along and it was an opportunity that i really couldn't pass up it was like i was going to be there to build the fab room you know obviously they had a good amount of uh Products that they produced already but they were looking to expand on that and this was 2000 the end of 2015 so it was right when right before the new 2017 NSX was coming out uh, so at that point in time I was able to produce a lot of the stuff and I like doing that I like doing the the custom designing obviously is cool and everything like that, but I like to make things to where they become like the process of becoming a, a, um, production style product, you know, Mm -hmm. like you get pictures for it, all the steps, you know, like it was really structured and set up by the guy before then or before me to like make it to where like, if somebody random were to come in, say I had to take a day off and, we could just hire another fab guy. You could basically just be like, here's an assembly manual on how to build this product. And these are all the steps. Got it. So I was able, and actually a lot of people don't know this. I'm still at science of speed full time, uh, producing stuff for them. Um, but like right when I came on, it was such a great time because they were having their 15th year anniversary. And Acura was having the 25th anniversary of the NSX. So 2017, I think that was the year. Was it 2017? It might have been 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually partnered up with Acura and built um, a second-gen NSX for them in their booth. It was called the NSX Dream Project. It's a pretty sick car. Was
0: that for <laughs> SEMA?
1: Yeah, it's really- wow. Very cool. And now, now they still actually—it's at our shop right now because we're we're doing some stuff to it. We just made a new uh, valved exhaust uh, that works with the factory um, electronic valve motors. Uh, so they brought it back. We cleaned up a few parts. You know, it's got like some mild aero on it. Uh, some obviously kind of aggressive Advan wheels and, um, uh, like wings and stuff like that, but it's got our downpipes on it. It's got, um, our, I, I lift, which is like a partner company of science of speed, which is an airlift system sensor operated that basically when a car pulls up to a speed bump or a high curb, it'll lift the car up so you can drive up on it without destroying your bumper, mm-hmm. you know? So it's got a lot of good stuff on it, but it's a really cool car and it was really cool to build stuff for that and then actually be able to go to SEMA, you know, that year because I hadn't been to SEMA in forever, you know, to actually be like a big part of obviously a a company that's really large and, you know, at the SEMA show too on top of it, you know, it was like in their actual, you know, Honda booth, Mm. which is pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. Very cool, dude. Hell yeah, man. Damn, you're you're a hustler, bro. You're always busy. So,
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know, and, and I still haven't even talked about mayhem. <laughs> yeah, so let's fast
0: forward to so Michael asked you to build the 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 crash bar. Um, when do you notice that this is turning into something? That this is turning into a business?
1: Almost like, almost like right away you know, he had a couple of friends that said that they were interested in one. Um, George, who obviously is a really big staple out here with the gold EG. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted one. And then uh, um, Abraham and Israel, who are brothers, uh, they have the Not-Dap, uh EG Hatch. Uh, they had bought the first two that I've ever sold, you know, and, or the first three because they bought the brothers bought two and then, uh, George bought one. And, uh, at that point in time, I was like, "Damn, maybe I can do something with it. And, you know, thankfully Mike, who, you know, took me to the first I meet, and let, you know, allowed me to have his car there, like, you know, I owe a lot to him, you know, cause obviously this was something that he wanted for his car, but he made those connections and he was like, dude, you know, you should like make this a product. Like, I guarantee people will freaking buy this thing if you produce them. So that was kind of it. I mean, I started just kind of selling them on my personal Instagram. And I think actually you bought one from me when I was just doing it off my personal.
0: Yeah. That
1: uh, I, I don't really use that much anymore. Dick Nenman. And, uh, that's, uh, you know, kind of how it all started. You know, I was just taking orders through there, doing it on paypal and stuff like that and then i built my own website um you know late 2016 i think and then started adding stuff to it you know other people were wanting different chassis and stuff like that and then it kind of snowballed from there and it's um pretty crazy i mean i still only have like a handful of chassis and a handful of products but like um I'm super busy, dude, like outside of, you know, obviously having a full-time job and, you know, big family, obviously they need my, you know, attention and support and stuff like that, but uh, it's something that I would like to keep growing and potentially add some more chassis and some more products to it, but for right now, it's like, it's a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, do you ever think about uh, making it your full-time yeah,
1: I do. It definitely might be something in the future. I mean, obviously, I'm a lot different than I was when I was younger. So it wasn't kind of shooting from the hip so much. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm making the right steps. And I want to make a good product, too. I don't want to be freaking, you know, rushing to finish stuff and things not fit properly and it has horrible quality, you know? So. It definitely would be something that I would like to do. I don't know when. Obviously, with the pandemic that's going on right now, it's kind of weary. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm really getting to that point where I'm itching to want to spend more time with my family.
0: You know, true, yeah.
1: I mean, my oldest is, you know, she just turned sixteen earlier this month. Wow. And you know, she's going to be gone soon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so although I do enjoy and love the product that I produce at Science to Speed, um, and I love the guys there, you know, I've been there five years now. Um, it definitely mayhem would definitely be something that I would like to do full time. You know,
0: yeah, hell just, yeah. <sighs> do you have any other idea of um, different products that you would offer if you had the I'm- time?
1: Mostly just chassis stuff, but I mean, I would be willing to do anything and everything,
0: you know, like,
1: but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of weird now on like custom stuff, you know, I really don't like to do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot, of, a lot of my time and, you know, I could be, you know, a complainer or a whiner or whatever one would think, but I just, I don't, there's no, you don't get a lot out of you know personally for me a uh, custom fab work you know i mean you get a handful of stuff where like you're doing really cool products for really cool cars and really good people but like a lot of the times you're dealing with people that have high expectations um of like wanting to produce something but like want it to be done within a shorter period of time and obviously they don't want to pay as much yeah i mean it could just be the people that I'm hanging out with, or whatever, or that get sent my way. But also on top of it, at least right now, I'm just so swamped mm-hmm. with stuff that, like, I don't want to take any more time away from my family. Yeah. But you know, more chassis stuff, hundred percent. You know, like stuff that people that you know, like I've been doing already, kind of all over the world, can purchase for their car, and they can do it off a website. And, you know, I mean, it sucks that the interaction is just an email or whatever, but there's some good people that I've met, you know, through just selling them stuff and then seeing them at, you know, IBOC or, you know, just talking through, them through the internet yeah. that I would really like produce some more stuff. You know, I mean, chassis stuff obviously is a big thing, you know, but I can do anything and everything, you know, turbo manifolds, you know, obviously that stuff, exhaust systems, roll cages, um, kind of, I have a Jeep too, so that's kind of what I've gone into since, um, you know, having kids, you know, I have been, I have a CRV, you know, five-speed all-wheel drive that I think that I'm going to do something with, but I probably won't because yeah. I'd like in stock. So Jeeps might be something that, that I would get into, you know, it's I a mean, huge market. Yeah, dude, I mean, I joke about it because, realistically, I'm a Toyota guy when it comes to trucks. Yeah. You know, I've had a handful of Toyotas. I actually, you know, my I bought my wife a Tundra a couple of years ago. Um, the Jeep was just kind of, like, fell in our lap. You know, my father-in-law gave it to us. And it's kind of grown into something of its own. But they're like, Jeeps themselves, they're like the Hondas of the off-road world, yeah. you know? So much stuff for them that, you know, the parts are, you know, so many companies make stuff, make different stuff, make the same stuff, you know, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's definitely a big market. It definitely could be something I can do, but I don't know, man. I Like I said, I, I kind of like shooting from the hip. Um, obviously, I like to be strategic as much as I can with that stuff, but I'm willing to go wherever, dude. Like, I like to fly at the seat of my pants.
0: Yeah. you know
1: take it as it goes and build whatever and produce whatever
0: i love it man you know ever since i've seen the brand i've uh loved the quality of it you know just all all the attention to detail that um that actually is on the bar you know like i said we have the one on the heavy suits uh eg right now it's awesome man yeah. it's uh it's awesome to see a new product come out you know, I remember when the product came out; there was nothing like it on the uh, on the market. And uh, those are exciting things, man. And just to see that snowball into um, into a business is uh, an amazing thing, man. And I uh, I look forward to your success in the future, dude. For sure.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you very much. I mean, you you play a part in this as well, too. You know, I mean, you have it on your car, so other people can see it. I mean it does go under a bumper so it doesn't get seen as often (laughs) yeah but i like i tell the owners you know at least you know it's there
0: (laughs) yeah definitely oh yeah man
1: so you know it's 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 definitely been fun and i really enjoy it and honestly like it's brought me so much joy because i kind of fell out of love with a lot of the scene you know just being the guy in the back you know like i don't you don't get to see a lot of the customers. You don't get to, you know, partake in a lot of the events, you know, like you don't get to interact with, you know, somebody who actually physically gets the product, you know, and that mayhem itself has allowed me to do that. You know, like 2016 was when I started getting serious. And I think I got, I think that's when I got my, my LLC. And then I started, you know, when did I go? So the first year I went to Eibach was 2017. I'd never been, you know, I had Hondas over the years and always wanted to go. And I think that was the first time I actually met you. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously a little bit after you had purchased the bar. And I was like, you know what, dude, like I went there with just like T-shirts in my backpack. And I was like, I'm going to freaking, I want to be here next year. And 2018 was the first year that I attended, you know, Eibach had a booth um and kind of set up shop and i you know i hope that stuff comes back but that's like i'm sure you know dude you go to a freaking bunch of shows you know i only go i've only been to one mm-hmm. you know actually two technically but the same one and just being able to meet people and talk to them even if i don't sell them something i don't care about that dude like the Honda community when you're a- interacting face to face rather than over social media or even forums back in the day, you know, it's completely different when you're face to face with somebody and being able to talk to them and see their expression and and put a you know a face with a screen name or a face with a car, you know, it's a total different experience. And I'm very thankful for all the people that I've met, you know, through for or uh, through mayhem, you know, and just even over social media, you know, there might be something that I might not ever see, but. You know, I talk to people all the time from freaking New York. You know, there's guys in Canada that I talk to a lot. You know, just Australia. Just freaking crazy, man.
0: Dude, that's awesome, bro. Such a good story, man. You know, and it uh, it just shows, once again, the, the hard work really pays off. You know, you just got to take, uh, take those chances and yeah. um, make it happen. And you're making it happen, bro. Trying. Hell yeah, <laughs> that's man. <all> I'm- So... <laughs> So uh, before we get out of here, ma'am, where can people find you at, and where can they uh, purchase some of these uh, these chassis products that you offer?
1: Um, Mayhem Metalworks on everything. Works is spelled W-E-R-K-Z. Um, mainly just Facebook and Instagram, uh, and then obviously MayhemMetalworks.com uh, is where I sell everything. Uh, obviously, you know those are the best places, but they can reach out to me on whatever. You know, set people up with whatever they need, you know?
0: Perfect, dude. Yeah, I'm definitely going to need to hit you up. I need to get a, a bar for the uh, right hand drive for the rear. I talked oh, to you dang. about you for that a while ago, but uh, I, I need to pick one of those up, man. Uh, but yeah. Nick, it was awesome to hear your story, man, and hear the background of the brand, dude. And I, I wish you the best.
1: Well, thanks, man. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, thank you for having me on. Sorry if I ramble a little too much, dude.
0: But <laughs> no, dude, it's it's cool just to talk to people, especially people like yourself that I'm not really familiar with uh, your past, you know, and how the business started. And then just to see so many similarities just from, you know, the music, the comedy, the biking, and even, uh, you know, you being a janitor, dude. I was a janitor back in the day, too. It's it's awesome, man. It's uh and that's why I love doing the podcast, just to be able to talk to people like yourself and and just to hear about, you know, how your journey started. And uh, yeah. it's, it's motivating not only to me, but to people listening. And that's one of the reasons why I like to have people like yourself on, because there's a lot of younger entrepreneurs listening and maybe them thinking that they could have a business in the future it it doesn't even register to them but then when they hear stories like yourself that hey i just you know i just didn't know how to weld i learned how to weld and now i have my own business and all it takes is that you got to put that time in
1: that that's really it you know you just got to freaking kind of you know just kind of hold on dude like you don't know what's going to lead you to what i mean i just wanted to turbo my car you know, at that point in time. And now it's like to a point where like I have a legitimate career, Yeah, you know, fabricating and welding and being able to support, you know, family off it. You know, it's just, you don't think about that stuff, especially when you're younger, but you know, it's, it's pretty crazy, you know? And, you know, thank you, dude. Again, you know, for the platform for allowing me to come on here. It's an honor, dude. Like, you know, I mean, like you said, Karen, your story, you know I mean? I think, uh, would you do that heavy in the streets? Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Would you do like a promo or like a documentary or something like that? Uh, Yeah,
0: like kind of like um, it was through Four Bangers. They did a a small documentary on us back in 2016.
1: Yeah. So when you were talking about Best Buy, I was like, oh, shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Best Buy Brethren, bro. I love it, man. Hell yeah, 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 Nick. (laughs) Freaking Hondas for us, so. <laughs> I love it, bro. Dude, if you ever need anything from us, always feel free to reach out, man. I'm always here to help out.
1: Oh, thank you, man. I greatly appreciate
0: that. Of course, man. And um huge thank you for you to be on the show. Make sure you guys check out Mayhem Metalworks, W-E-R-K-Z. Uh, we're going to have it listed below. And please, please make sure you check out our sponsor, which is Toe Automotive. Been around since 2002, helping you guys with all the Honda parts that you need. If you listen to the commercial, you know how to get hooked up. So check them out, heeltoeauto.com or on Instagram at Automotive. And uh, once again, this is Downtime with Downstar, episode 192. And we're out. Peace.